This podcast is brought to you by the Albany Public Library main branch and the generosity of listeners like you. What is a podcast? God, Daddy, these people talk as much as you do. Razib Khan's unsupervised learning. You know that genetics plays a huge role in our health, and more people are using genetic testing to determine risk for diseases like cancer for themselves and their kids than ever before. So I want to tell you about ORCID. It's the only company that does whole genome testing for embryos, testing before your child is born. If you're doing IVF, this is a clear choice now because now you can reduce risk for thousands of single gene disorders, including heritable forms of autism, pediatric cancers, and birth defects. Check them out at orchidhealth.com. Hey, everybody. This is Razib with the Unsupervised Learning Podcast, and I am here with two very eminent and special guests. Uh, they are editors. I, well, actually, Zoe, are you an editor? Like, what is I'm your not title? An editor. I'm okay, what a community are you? engagement officer. Okay, that's a very that's a very millennial <laughs> slash Zoomer title to have. I do, I do a bit of everything. I I organize the Quillette socials. I do our yeah. marketing. I do our some admin. I run a podcast. I do a lot. Yeah, um, you're like, you're like the you're the girl Friday. You're you're Claire Layman's girl Friday. Like whatever needs to be done. Oh. You will do right, and Iona. We have uh, we have talked multiple times uh, on podcasts. I've been on your podcast several times. You've been on several of my podcasts, and I think uh, the the listeners uh, they know who you are. And I'll put the links to the previous podcast. Um, and you're now are you um you're an editor though, right? I'm an editor. Yes, I'm associate an associate editor, and the most junior member of the editorial team at Quillette. Yeah, so. I, one thing that I want to do is, um, you know, I want to get a general sense of, you know, obviously who you guys are. Um, I think, I don't know, we know a little bit about you. I mean, damn, I know all about your ethnic history and, you know, your childhood and your older sister. And, you know, if anyone follows you on Twitter, um, I'm going to have to say they know a lot about you because you put it all out there. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. But we all know that's true, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah. So you're, you're, you are an open book, as they say. I don't know as much about, I know as little bit about Zoe's ethnicity because, well, I mean, you know how I am. But, uh, but, uh, Zoe, like, I mean, uh, you work for Quillette, um, which is kind of, I'm going to just say controversial, although it's kind of a BS word, but, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's somewhat edgy. Maybe it shouldn't be edgy, but it's somewhat edgy. It's not the typical thing that a young woman, of your age in the English speaking world, you know, goes to work for some edgy publication. You know what I'm saying? Like you should be, I don't know, Instagramming your tech job and, you know, the breakfast you had and like the yoga studio and all that stuff. Right. Um, I do do a bit of that as well. Okay. So you, you had that, you know, you know what that life is. So why are you here? Like, I mean, what brought you here? Like, where are you from? I mean, you're obviously Australian just listening to you. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually, I actually know a distant cousin of yours here in Austin. Oh, That's yeah. a whole different story. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I, I had dinner with him yesterday. I see him like every week. Okay. Uh, but in any case. A uh, fellow Kicktherian, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I have his genotype, so I know he definitely is one. But um, in any case, um, so like, how did you get uh, in the, let's just call it the heterodox space. Like, how did you get here? Where did you start? Well... I've always been very interested in ideas and philosophy and politics. And as a teen, I was 
very much into like Marxism and feminism, Marxist feminism, veganism, you know, everything that I sort of uh, rail against now, I suppose, um, especially veganism. But uh, yeah, I got to, got to uni, got more into, you know, social justice and but started to become disillusioned, started to see that a lot of the groups that I was sort of operating in, I don't know, it just became lame to me. Like we couldn't debate anything. There was no, I guess it lost that edginess. Maybe I'm attracted to the edginess. Maybe that's what attracted me to Quillette as well in the heterodox space. But I came across Claire. I thought she was extremely like attractive in the sense that she was brave. Uh, She was young. She was Aussie. She was a woman. She, I don't know, she just... I hadn't met anyone like her before and she sort of, uh, she allowed me to like come out, I guess, as, as heterodox. And then. Yeah. So I'm um, Claire is Claire Lehman, who I think like, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much all the listeners will probably know, but I did a podcast with her too. Um, and you know, I'm friendly with Claire as well. Um, you know, you know, this is a, this is definitely not an, int- this is, I'm not here to get I do a gotcha. Obviously, I'm friends with you guys, and I just wanted to see what what's up with you, just so the listeners know. Like, don't expect me to. Uh, um, you know, I don't have a dossier on you guys. I'm not gonna like have some ambush questions. Um, that's for after the recording is stopped. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, you're you're interested in these edgy ideas or whatever, apparently. But um, I'm actually curious uh, because I, unlike a lot of people, have not had an ideological journey. I've kind of always been vaguely right wing i think um and so i never went through you know and i know many people they were like social justice warriors and then they're far right or vice versa or all these other things um what attracted you to social justice because i've never been attracted to justice um, that was kind of a joke <laughs> i think you know i think it's a product i think a lot of young women in general are interested in social justice um i yeah i just and I still do. I think I still really care about social justice. Uh, I've always cared about the truth. Um, I just became a bit more aware of where the truth lies now. And I'm a very empathetic person, but I, and it actually hurts. Like I still get, I still worry about offending people, even though I know that a lot of the opinions I hold are like, offensive to some people. I'm, I'm still very conscious of that. Um, and I don't relish in offending people or making people upset. Um, but I, I just simply care more about the truth, um, than offending people. So, yeah. <laughs> so here we are, here we are. You care more about the truth than offending people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I know you're, um, you're admittedly disagreeable. So have you ever been bothered by offending people? Oh yeah. Um, so I, um, uh, I get easily hurt. Um, so I get upset when people are offended, um, or, uh, well, I get much less upset nowadays. Um, I used to get very, very emotional, um, over people, uh, attacking me, especially on, so actually only on social media. It's never happened to me in real life. Um, and as you know, in fact, I used to be, I used to be constantly fighting with people on social media. And I think you were one of the people who told me to stop doing that. And, 
Jonathan Haidt actually staged a kind of intervention. He sent me this very loving, I thought, email, which said, I really like your work, Iona, but you need to, he didn't phrase it exactly these words, but you need to get your fucking act together. Stop shit posting all day long and fighting with idiots on Twitter. He put it in a completely different wording from that, that wording, but that was the message. And um, I would like to say that the instant I received his email, I had a kind of Damascene conversion. But no, it was just a gradual drip drip. Um, and now I have really, I think I've ceased to be upset by people attacking me on social media. And in real life, I just don't, um, I don't often talk about politics uh, in real life. And um, when I do, it's generally only with people who I know very well and trust. And I'm very much more uh, careful about what I say. And I try to spend most of the time listening to their opinions um, and finding points of agreement. This is in real life. So um, I don't like real life conflict. But on the other hand, I am, um, I've never been, I've never been into the social justice stuff. And um, I have always found myself um, disagreeing with other people on the left um, very strongly. I had a lot of arguments with people when I was an undergraduate over politics. Um, at that time, it was about, it was all about political correctness. And, um, which later kind of evolved into the woke stuff. But already back then, I thought it was bollocks. And I would say that even though I'm a conflict avoider, I'm quite disagreeable in the sense that if I'm offered the choice between being diplomatic and careful and keep making and retaining friends and saying what I believe to be true, then I feel just a really strong and sometimes self-destructive urge to just say what I believe to be true. I and I am, un I am unblackmailable because I just don't have any secrets. So yeah. I, I actually think that that's a, I actually think that's a strength. Um, and yeah, um, I, I did score very high on, um, very low on agreeableness on the, um, ocean test and quite high on extroversion so i'm a really kind of annoying old git basically that's what that's called i scored very high in politeness so i really care about like social rules and norms of politeness but not i'm not necessarily super agreeable for a woman and I think just the fact that we work in this space, I go not, and we're women and Claire's the same. We have quite masculine sort of personalities in some ways. I think, I think it's shown that like men care more about the truth than women do. Uh, that's mm. a very general statement. But when, when asked, um, you know, whether this fact could hurt someone emotionally, but it's still true. Women are more likely to choose to like sort of obscure the fact, um, you know, and I think all three of us, Claire, Iona and myself are sort of strange women and may maybe have found ourselves, um, you know, in female groups, odd ones out like black sheep at times because of our mas masculine sort of desire for the truth. What do you think, Iona? 
Um, yeah, I think that's true. I'm very careful with people who are close to me. So I base my friendships on how people behave towards me in real life and mm -hmm. uh, whether they are kind, loyal, etc. Um, and I keep that completely separate from what their political beliefs might be. So usually I try to avoid actually getting onto political topics. And if we do have a disagreement, I just ask a lot of questions and try to find out why they think the way that they think. Um, but I don't really bother to um, argue my point if it's, a, if it's someone who's a close friend. Me too. And what I found is that <laughs> most, most of my friends know that I'm the hyper-political one and that they can talk about politics with me if they want to, but I don't bring it up. I sort of let them come to me knowing that, you know, I'll be here to chat about it if they want to. Yeah, I did. I did um, mute quite a lot of people on, on Facebook. There's an option to unfollow, but remain friends. And um, I had quite a few acquaintances who are wrongly on the Palestinian side of the Israel Gaza conflict. And, I unfollowed but remained friends with all of them on Facebook. Um, so, and I think that's kind of typical of how I deal with things from real life acquaintances. Um, I, I think also that if you are, if you have been genuinely kind to me in real life or uh, in some material way, then you can't buy my speech. You can't make me say something I don't agree with, but you can kind of buy my silence. So there are a couple of public figures who I think have really beclowned themselves. Um, beclowned? Love beclowned. It. Yeah. <laughs> in public discourse. Word? I think it is, yeah. Um, I love it. And I see a lot of people critiquing them on Twitter, but because they were actually supportive to me behind the scenes in the past. I never say anything uh, about them specifically. Um, and uh, I don't even like any posts that are critiquing them, even though I agree with all of the criticisms. Uh, and mm -hmm. a couple of these people have just turned out to be total idiots and genuine bad actors <laughs> politically. But um, I've got to disclose their names after this. <laughs> I think you can guess, but let's not actually yeah, say anything. Yeah. Um, is it Razib? <laughs> yeah, Razib. <laughs> um, I mean, my, my principle is um, your behavior on a personal level can completely outweigh your politics as far as I'm concerned. I'm not therefore going to vote for you or actually endorse you or go so far as to be sharing stuff or saying things that I don't agree with, but I will just discreetly scroll on by and ignore your political stuff. And with those people, I also sometimes go in and if they post a photo of their dog or something like that, I like that photo and I'm like, your dog is so adorable. So I'm actively looking for something I can agree with them on to keep their friendly feelings. Um, but yeah, I'm very loyal to people who've been kind. Um, and I think that so, politics is, is secondary to, to personal behavior. Yeah, I want to ask about this because um, I think this is a um, this is a exceptional view now, or like uh, among the younger generations uh, here in the U.S. Um, I don't know how it is in other 
other countries. You know, Claire has told me in Australia it's not as polarized, partly because everyone votes and all this stuff. Um, here in the U.S., uh, to somewhat they said almost everything is political. So, you know, there'll be some actor that says something, and someone will be like, "People don't know how problematic this person is," and it'll be some like stupid political thing. Uh, who cares? Uh, I, I don't care. Um, but this is a thing now um, among younger people. And I think what you guys are saying is for you, the personal is the personal, and the political is the personal or the political is the political and, and they're, they're separated. Right. But um, I mean, how, I mean, Zoe, I'm actually kind of curious in particular about your interactions because, you know, you're younger and you know, a lot of young people. Um, is this just an online thing or is this bleeding over into real life? Um, I'm just curious. Look, it definitely does bleed over into real life. I feel like with this conflict in Israel, it's a next level of me me sort of being concerned about how it's going to affect my um, in-person, you know, relationships. Uh, you know, before... I know like I had controversial opinions on, I don't know, gender ideology or uh, the voice to parliament or things like that. But in reality, like most people actually agreed with me, you know, most people agree that gender ideology is pretty wacky. Um, Most Aussies voted no to the Indigenous voice to parliament. So, you know, most people actually agreed with me. But Uh, I got to ask you a question. I have no idea what you guys are talking about because I never bothered to look into (laughs) it. I just know Misha Saul was extremely happy and what, 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 okay, what is the, tell, tell us in America what this is. Pretty much we had a referendum, so a vote on whether we should change our constitution to include a, an indigenous voice to parliament, which was, we, we understood it was a bit unclear, but a group of Aboriginal uh, leaders who would uh, advise government on like whether specific laws should be passed or pretty much, yeah, just a voice to an Aboriginal voice to parliament. Um, and yeah, we, we voted no in quite, it was not necessarily a landslide as such, but it was a resounding no. Yeah. But I mean, so this, but this sounds like a symbolic thing. Um, to me, it was symbolic and you don't fuck with the constitution just for symbolic reasons. You, you change it only if it's going to have a tangible impact. And I didn't think it was going to. And I think most Australians agreed that it was purely symbolic and that so many symbolic acts are done today. Like, you know, um, pretty much every meeting you do here, I'm not sure if it's the same in the States, but you do a welcome to country and so much of it is tokenistic, and it just felt like another sort of token thing. Well, are you talking about the land acknowledgements? Yeah, yeah. Oh, land okay, acknowledgements. Yeah. They're not. They're not. They're not. Yeah, they're not like super common in the states, like in some like left wing spaces and maybe some sorts of NGOs. But I almost never hear about it outside of the online context. But in Australia, it's way more mainstream, right? Yeah. Like I think that Jordan Peterson tweet went viral of him saying that when he landed in Sydney with Qantas, our national airline, there was a welcome to country and he thought that, or a land acknowledgement, and he thought that was unnecessary. And, you know, I went to the opera house last weekend and uh, there was one, there's, there's pretty much, pretty much everywhere, even. Why, why are you Zoom meetings? 
Yeah, why are you guys so into that? I'm just curious. Good question. Does anyone know? I, I suppose Australia has a different history with, you know, white Australia versus uh, our Indigenous population. You know, we never had a treaty. Um, we never had, you know, it's very different to the sort of Maori experience or to the Native American experience. Um I think there's more of a divide here and I think that brings with it a guilt and uh, we, yeah, a lot of people really want things to be better for Aboriginal people and we think it's just, it would make it better if we acknowledge the local tribe, but is that actually creating change in the lives of Aboriginal people? I I don't think so. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean... Um, you know, from what little I've read about it, it does seem to be a particularly, um, I'm not going to use the word problematic, but I mean, there was a lot of nasty, I think, I mean, part of, part of the issue is, uh, the indigenous people in Australia were hunter gathering foragers, right? So how do you, like, as a social political colonizing power, who do you deal with? Uh, you know, in New Zealand, you had, uh, you have chieftains that were relatively extensive and obviously in the new world. You know, there are different levels of organization, but there were nations, you know, like exactly in the American South. We have the civilized tribes and whatnot. So it's a little bit rationalized there, whereas in Australia, it was not quite like that. Right. I mean, I'm just looking exactly. it up. So you, they became citizens in 1948. That's pretty rare. It was pretty late mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. For, the, for, for that time, you know. And they got the vote in like 1967, I believe, through a referendum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So before that, they were classed as flora and fauna, well, fauna which, yeah, um, sounds, yeah, fucked by. You know, you know, you know what would be great? Um, Iona, I know you spent a lot of time in, in Britain in your life. Land acknowledgements in the UK. <laughs> we are on occupied Iceni land. <laughs> you know, like all the Roman tribes. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm serious. Someone's going to think about Someone's going to want to do this, you know? I'm really surprised the Welsh haven't done this yet, actually, um, because I think it would go down a treat in Wales. Um, you know, these these Saxon invaders. Um, I lived in Wales for I only lived in Wales for two years, and actually, I was I was at the University of Aberystwyth, and one of those years I was on research leave. So, in fact, I spent really only a year in Wales, but we. Uh, still, even though I was only on a two-year contract, we all had to take Welsh lessons. Um, and uh, I also found that people would be speaking English with each other. And when uh, people arrived who were uh, non-Welsh, they would immediately switch to Welsh. And uh, there was a very strong feeling of local patriotism there. Um it's like Basque country. So, yeah, I think they love that. I lived in Bilbao, and it was a similar thing. Like they, the Basques loved to speak Basque, Uskera. Um, You know, it was definitely more of a left-wing thing as well. Like it was a sign of yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's uh, from an American from an American perspective. That's also very interesting that. Uh, you know, I actually, I um, you know, you were talking about Israel, and I know we were we were talking about politics and young people, and you're talking about Israel. Um, Americans a lot of times don't uh, understand or internalize very well left wing nationalism. So you know, 
arguably the IRA and Sinn Féin, they're left-wing party really now, mm-hmm. you know? It was left-wing nationalism. The ETA was left-wing. ETA. And actually, Pal- Palestinian nationalism was left-wing. It was left-wing mm-hmm. Marxist nationalism. And even now, um, you know, uh, the PLO still has a PFLP. That's the second largest faction. That's explicitly Marxist. Fatah was was more left-wing. This is why they... Um, you know, they had co- they had cooperation with uh, Bader Meinhofgang, you know, in the 1970s and stuff like that. And a lot of their funding was, you know, in various sources from the Soviet Union. And so I think that's that's an interesting point where, you know, in in the, in the New World and probably in Australia, it's like this whole idea of left wing nationalism seems kind of weird. But in Europe, you have these very, very left wing people that are also nationalistic. In Scotland, you have like this like socialist party that's nationalist. But they basically just means they hate English people, it seems. seems they love everybody else but the English, which many such cases. But still, you know, it's a little strange. I don't think that the Scottish National Party hate English people, actually. Um, I think that they are way more kind of, um, way more sort of part of the globalist left than that. Um, I really don't like the Scottish National Party at all for many different reasons. But I think that's not really a fair critique of them. Um, I think that they, uh, what they want is economic independence. And during the uh, two independence referenda, um, the definition that they were looking for of a Scottish national was um, anyone, anyone born in Scotland plus anybody who had been living in Scotland for at least four years at the time of the referendum. Um, and they're very immigrant friendly. There are also, of course, a lot of English people in Scotland. Um, well, I mean, they're Im- they're immigrant friendly, but immigrants are not friendly to them, judging by how many people go to Scotland. But you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, give them a choice. I think that um, yeah, Scotland is one of the whitest places on earth. Um, and and where did I the that- gender ideology come from? Like, they're super into that, right? Yeah, very into that. So I think that's because, um, my theory is, it's because they're very woke types, but they don't really have any people of color, so they can't really lean into that uh, style. Except, except, except their first minister. Their exactly, first minister, the first yes. minister. Yes, they had to really scrape around to find somebody who is not, you know, so pasty you have to put on sunglasses when they take their shirt off which is 99.9% of people in Scotland, which is fine, you know, by the That's way. It's a microaggression, Iona. I find that as a, <laughs> as a very pale person, very offensive. Felon <laughs> and challenge. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think for, for that reason, in order to create a kind of intersectional um, identity hierarchy, uh, to make it relevant personally, they have to lean into the gender stuff because anybody can um, anybody can take they them pronouns and uh, become non-binary. Um, I I used to, by the way I used to be more hostile to the idea of non-binary people and I still think the concept is nonsense and um, I really object to they them pronouns in writing because I think it makes uh, articles just impossible to read extremely confusing um but i have since then encountered a a few people in real life who um wanted to transition and have desisted and instead they've become quote unquote non-binary and taken the pronouns 
And so I think it's provided a soft landing for some people, actually, uh, and that's very good. So instead of actually having some major surgery or um, take, they've they've gone off the hormone treatments and they're just being very androgynous and describing themselves as non-binary. And so I mm-hmm. I feel as though okay, that's it's that's an cool. ramp. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. an off ramp. Well, I mean, so you know, you're talking about gender ideology. Um, I think Quillette became uh, a thing in let's say like the last like three years or so of the teens, uh, mostly culture war related stuff, affirmative action. Early on, there was like some race and IQ stuff, which is still mentioned in the Wikipedia entry, but it's been a while. Um, and then mm. you have the gender ideology stuff that was kind of a big deal for a while, but I feel like, I'm gonna ask you what you guys think, uh, that it's kind of peaked. Um, I don't know how much further it's gonna go, um, but you might have a different perspective internationally, I don't know. Harvard, um, as we're recording this, um, Harvard just removed pronoun pages from their DEI pages, uh, just probably because they're worried about various types of backlash that are happening right now. Uh, so I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, do you guys think the culture wars? I mean, they're obviously still here, but um, I don't sense that they're rising in their uh, – the temperature is no longer rising. We've stabilized. Maybe it's going to even drop, but I don't think it's rising. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think the especially the gender stuff, you know, trans activists have been awfully quiet lately, I must say. <laughs> and I think it's because, you know, there's a genuine war happening. I mean, there always there's been conflicts happening this whole time. But um we're seeing real war, we're seeing people being raped and massacred and beheaded and every day and you know, when trans people were saying that there's, there's a genocide and, you know, where, uh, you know, your, your words of violence and stuff, it just doesn't have the same effect anymore because we see real violence. So yeah, I think most like normies I speak to, most of my mates who aren't super online, they agree that all the gender stuff is crazy. And I think a lot of the race based um yeah talk that we were hearing as well i think most people agree that it was a bit overblown yeah maybe we've peaked what do you think think, anna um i don't know i find it very hard to judge how widespread uh phenomena are actually um i think that uh i feel the same way about many many issues for example uh, I feel the same way about what's going on in India. Um, I hear a lot of anecdotes and news, and I'm just not sure how typical they are. I have a slightly skewed availability bias because uh, John Kay writes about a lot of what he calls gender wank for Quillette. And, um, but it does seem that Canada, Canada, is a, <laughs> um, is an absolute outlier. Um, in that regard. Also, the Canadians are still COVID masking. So they are clearly completely bonkers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, no offense to my Canadian uh, subscribers and listeners, but like, you guys are cray. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't care about poutine and Canadian bacon and John Candy and all the things you used to be famous for. Now you're just known as like a crazy country, you know? Um, and also it's like, 
it comes from all different directions. I mean, there's just a social media thing as we're recording, and this will be like a while that I'm going to post this, but whatever. Um, you know, there's just something with like some funny like Hanuman statue, like this Hindu god, and now all the right wing Canadians are freaking out. And I'm just like, bro, they always had these statues. They were always there. Yeah, the statue looks kind of silly, but like, I mean, get over it. It's not that big of a deal. You know, I don't know. It's just it seems like Canadians are not. I don't. I, there's something they need to be fixed. They need to be repaired as a country. Uh, maybe it's a little too much Trudeau. Or, you know, Castro Jr., I don't know what you guys think. But, you know, uh, it, maybe it's just been a little too long and we, they need some new leadership. I like the I like the guy that eats apples, you know, like that guy, like, uh, you know, the, the conservative guy. So, yeah, he was eating uh, the, the conservative uh, candidate. He was eating an apple while a journalist was asking him stupid questions. Like, check it out on Twitter. Yeah. But, yeah, we yeah. had the prime minister who ate a raw onion. On, on live TV. Oh. <laughs> Man, that's a little weird. That's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's inter- no, isn't, it small, isn't it the small group thing? Um, so, uh, you know, uh, Americans are also have an equal number of crazy people, but because there are so many of you, it gets diluted. It's like, um, you know, when you go on the tube, um, there are some crazy people, but um, your experience of the tube generally is very decorous because those crazy people are diluted one size into one by boring normies like like me. Um, so I think that's the same thing is happening in Canada. It's a smaller country and some people are just probably too cold to do any activism because you have to be really committed to that weather. So that that is also a filter. I mean, I, there is summer does exist there as well. Um, but people who are doing, for example, pro-Palestine activism in Canada, that's got to be very hardcore. It's absolutely fucking brass monkeys at the moment um, in Canada. So um, I'm yeah, not doing any activism. I want to talk about the Palestine thing really quickly, and then we'll talk about Quillette. But I got to say, the Canada transgender stuff is always really weird. So Canada's always the one that has like the really weird things, like the 50-year-old transgender swimmer who was competing against teenage <laughs> like, like literally the first time I read that, I'm just like, why is like the Babylon B like you know what I'm saying? Someone just picked up the Babylon B. That's not a real story, right? That that can't have happened. But it did happen. So I mean, again, like, why was this guy okay? I'm just gonna say it. Like, why didn't some dad beat him up? Like, what's wrong here? Like, you know what I'm saying? If my illustrator was swimming with a 50-year-old man who's now a woman, who's actually a teenage girl, this guy's going to get a whooping, right? So, I mean, like, what is up with Canadians? Like, that's just... They're so nice. Maybe it's that, like, they're way too nice. They're way too agreeable. Like, all of them, all of the Canadians I've met is super nice. You don't hear this about. I mean, it's not. It doesn't happen in Quebec, right? This is always in like Toronto or whatever and, and stuff like that. Mm. You know, I mean, what if this guy was in Surrey and he was uh, swimming with like a bunch of Indian, you know, Canadian eighth graders? I think some brothers would have something to say about them. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's. I just. I, this is like really a story where like I did the research because I just thought this had to be made up. You know, it's like like that. It's like that guy. Um, it's like that. uh, I misgendered her, Stephanie. 
who was like some old dude that was like, hey, I'm actually like 11 year old. So he's like <laughs> living with a family and he's playing with the 11 year old girl dolls because Stephanie is. Yeah, this is you can Google it. It was a real thing. OK, like I I mean, if Canadians didn't exist, I wouldn't believe this, you know, but um, we would yeah, have so to invent I mean, them. Maybe I mean South South Park would have to invent them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, you know, we've alluded to the whole Israel Palestine thing a little bit. That's like obviously blown up, and people have taken sides. And you know, the cancel war is now a reciprocal on this, insofar as you know, you know, some people who are Jewish or pro-Israel have gotten in trouble, but vice versa as well. Um, it's it's pretty tough actually, and I haven't been saying much partly because like, I mean, what do you say? There's a war going on. Um, people have like already like kind of established which side they're on and, and whatnot. Um, how do you guys like deal with it? Because I know you try to be fair minded, you have your own viewpoints and also, you know, you're both fundamentally liberal. Like a lot of what's going on here is, um, tribalistic, you know, where it's like, okay, like there's certain people, they're just, they're going to side with the Palestinians. Cause you know, where the Jews are, they ain't, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's a group of Jews where it's like, you know, you know, what BB says, you know, is, is, is the, you know, the writ of, of God or whatever. Right. Um, so obviously those are extreme p- perspectives, but then there's a lot of other people trying to navigate. And, uh, you know, if you're like a liberal person that, you know, you care about the truth and this is not an issue where, where truth is easy to ascertain because your values matter. And, you know, it's, it's pretty complicated in terms of these indigeneity discourses that we're having and all this stupid stuff. But I mean, how are you guys navigating? Like, I know Zoe, you, you've been, uh, You've been you've been mixing it up. Um, Iona, I haven't seen you talk too much about it, so I'm just like maybe that's perfect. I have. She's been talking yeah. a lot about Israel. I okay. I feel I've talked about it a lot. So I'm trying to, um, I'm trying not not to do too much opining on things where, um, there's there's some ambiguity as to what the right approach would be. So for example, I'm really trying not to. Um, backseat drive a war and suggest where I think bombing should be happening, not happening, or what the strategy should be. Um, so I try to focus on uh, things with, where I think the mora- the ethics are extremely clear. Um, one, Israel ha- needs to continue to exist. Um, and two, um, we need to be against anti-Semitism. And three, Hamas is bad. And surprisingly, those three things are still controversial enough that I don't feel as though I have to um, get too deeply into the other things. I mean, some of the crazy things that were happening, for example, people were saying that the hostages uh, were actually fell in love with their captors and stuff. Um, I did comment on that a little bit, but I, I follow a lot of commentary on Israel and I'm commenting on maybe one in a hundred things that I see, mm-hmm. um, mostly because I feel um, it's, um, uh, you know, there, there are various things where I'm, I'm not sure whether um, the actual actions that the Israelis are taking are the, are the best actions, but it's, I hope they are because my support is definitely um, with Israel. I've become even skeptical of the two-state solution because I don't think that there can be a Palestinian state without serious regime change um, among Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I still think that could happen. You know, many sorry, uh, many countries have turned around completely, 
um, look at Nazi Germany, look at what's happened in um, Cambodia, for example. Um, so it could happen. You can. Um, uh, things can be turned around, but it takes usually takes generations. So I've I've no idea what the longer term game plan is, but I want I want regime change in Gaza and the continued existence of Israel. I do also full disclosure live with an Israeli, so um, my housemate is an Israeli. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's wait. Do you eat a lot of hummus? Do you eat a lot of hummus? We do eat a lot of hummus. Yeah, we do. That's yeah. cultural appropriation. <laughs> I think it's great. You know, just in our Quillette Slack channel yesterday, we were remarking on how it's great that we're all on the same page when it comes to Israel. Uh, and that stance is simply that pretty much as Iona was saying, that Israel has a right to exist, which is Zionism. You know, Zionism has such a bad rap these days. It's used, well, not just these days, but it's used like a pejorative, but there's nothing wrong with being a Zionist. I'm a Zionist. We're all Zionists. So, uh yeah, and that Hamas is evil and a terrorist group and should be eliminated. So it's good that we're all on the same page with that. And I think at times where I've doubted my beliefs, it's been good to know that, you know, all the intelligent people in our team, you know, I think um, all of you, but especially like Claire and Jamie, Jamie is a very, very discerning guy. And I think Jamie very rarely gets it wrong. I haven't actually known him to get it wrong. Like he, yeah. So I, I feel, I feel assured that, uh, I'm on the same page as Jamie. Jamie's usually a good litmus test for these things, but yeah. Um, I knew nothing about Israel. I knew nothing about Zionism or Judaism. It's been a sort of baptism of fire, um, excuse the pun, a Jewish baptism. And I think that gives me a very balanced view because I had no preconceptions about Jews or Israel. So when it all you know, it kicked off again on the 7th of October. I was just like, holy shit, why is this happening? And sort of looked at it and saw that the truth, you know, I think I know where the, the truth lies. And the truth is that Israel has been attacked from day dot and Jews have a right to live where they've always lived. And, you know, people attack it for being an ethno-nationalist state, but I see no better reason to have a state when your ethnicity has been ethnically cleansed from the rest of the world. They need their own state, obviously. And why can't they have one little sliver of land? Like Muslims have so many countries and I don't know, it's, it's been rough, but I'm definitely, yeah, showing. I wear this out and I, you know, I see whether I get a response. I haven't had any responses yet. But what what does that yeah. say? It just says, you know, um how love will rebuild, oh, right. which my boyfriend finds very cringe and it has a star of David. But I think it's a good message. I think, you know, Israel has been attacked and um 
it will rebuild as it always has. It's that. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm wearing, so, I'm wearing my Star of David earrings. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. <laughs> for those of you, yeah, those of you who have video uh, for listeners, the Star of David earrings and a wristband. I'm wearing nothing that's, uh, you know what? I'm not going to go get controversial. Right now. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I have, I have six kippas, you know, so, um, you know, so why? I, I, why? Uh, well, just because, like, there was a bulk. I mean, I like a deal, okay? <laughs> 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 There's a bulk buy. <laughs> so I got six kippas. I'm like, you know, um, you never know when, like, you forget your kippa or, like, there's a kippa in another part of the root, you know, whatever. I have kippa So you like, go you to know. Jewish ceremonies. You've got a, I know you said you've got a lot of Jewish friends. Uh, no, I, you know, I haven't gone to anything specifically, like, religiously Jewish in Austin. I've gone to, like, some, you know, Shabbos dinners. But, you know, the Jewish people I know mostly are not super religious. Yeah. It's a fine line, though, right? It's like I went to my first Jewish funeral yesterday, and my, my boyfriend's Jewish, and he was saying – you know, oh, it's not religious because I put on a dress. I wear pretty skimpy clothes yeah. in general. and it, It's part of my brand. And it's really hot here. And I said, you know, baby, is this appropriate? And he said, well, maybe you want to cover your shoulders a bit more. Um, 